So yeah, we're talking about Goldman Sachs, the return to office for them. Why Goldman Sachs? Well, they're a huge company. We wanted to talk about tracking them through the COVID response on every going back all the way to 2020. You uh, gave up the ending to this podcast already. Well, but. Yeah, that's true. Sound Smart Business, where your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stomp, cover business in the news and add their awesome legal twist. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast brought to you by Pasha Law PC, a law firm representing your business in California, Illinois, New York, and Texas. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Staub. All right, welcome to Legally Sound Smart Business, our episode locally here in Houston. Matt has joined me to talk about Goldman Sachs, right? Welcome to Houston. <laughs> Thanks. It's good to be here. I always like these in person. I feel like I caught you off guard. Like, yeah. That's fine. Well, let's start the podcast, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're talking about Goldman Sachs, the return to office for them. Uh, why Goldman Sachs? Well, they're a huge company. They have basically 40,000 employees worldwide. And we wanted to talk about tracking them through the COVID response on every going back all the way to 2020, February, March of that year, they start locking down through today, where now they have more than 65% of their workforce back in the office. Oh, you uh, gave up the ending to this podcast already. But... Well, yeah, that's true. Well, that's pretty much what we're done, right? Yeah. Well, so the big reason is their, their CEO was, David Solomon was, well, it was pretty well documented that he and took a big stance in kind of getting people back in the office quicker than most companies out there, particularly on Wall Street. Yeah. And in fact, I mean, depending upon who you ask, uh, some would say that he was actually leading that charge and, right. and a visionary in that respect. Um, others would say that he was being too aggressive. In fact, I mean, Goldman Sachs, it's interesting about another interesting thing about their company is that they are on one hand they've been on list of the you know some of the best places to work uh, one of the reasons is they have huge high compensation uh, packages for a lot of their employees on the other hand they're also criticized criticized for being uh, unethical they have you know you have people complaining about 100 hour work weeks and things like that and so it's a goldman sachs in, in its nature is kind of in the forefront of a lot of different issues employment issues especially, um, but also regulatory and, and, and these kinds of things as well. Yeah, so it's not surprising that their CEO took this kind of bold stance in getting people to go back to work right. quicker than well, some companies haven't even come back to work. A <laughs> yeah, good, that, good amount of them. Yeah, I mean, we, we've, and everyone's heard in the news, we're talking about uh, companies like Google and Facebook or Meta. I think Meta's, they've, I don't think they're coming back. So right? a, permanent, uh, a permanent option to... And I think there's been a mother, others like Spotify and so forth, but a lot, especially a lot of the tech companies, they've kind of made a permanent shift. That's something that Goldman Sachs has definitely not done. And frankly, um, depending upon the company, the industry, what states you're in, I know we've talked about plenty of times, like when we're dealing with clients in California versus Texas, it's just a, such a different paradigm. And that, yeah. that's, that's really 
shown itself in during COVID because the conversations that you and I were having with California clients about the the workforce and COVID was just like like in California, they're like, okay, well, what are some things that we can do to make it more comfortable for them to go go home to work and yeah. you know, all these things? And then Texas is like, when can we bring them back? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But literally, like uh, these conversations are going on like first few weeks of the of the lockdown. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of our clients in California that have even considered bringing employees back at all. Right. And that's today. Now, yeah. The end of 2020. So let's start um, in 2020. Uh, this was around March or so. Uh, U.S. was just starting to receive these cases, mm-hmm. specifically New York. Yeah. Um, we're, of course, the center of Goldman Sachs um, yeah. in New York City and specifically. They were probably hit first, um, most substantially. I know we, I mean, we we all know the history. I mean, it kind right. of started in Washington State and these kind of things. But those were very early days. But where it started to really start impact uh, the healthcare system, uh, New York was was one of the first uh, areas to to get that hit. And New York employees started to work from home as early as in March, and that's where the mm-hmm. the lockdown began. And I don't know if you remember that that was. That was a time where also they they came up with this concept of essential workers, mm-hmm. right? Where who was an essential worker, and there was these federal standards, and then states had their own thing, and and of course this was all also very chaotic because uh, it was the New York State or New York City local officials that were kind of putting in these these mandates versus on a federal level, and and sometimes the federal uh, government would make a decision ahead of the state governments and vice versa, and then. Figuring out who to follow is always very complicated. Yeah, and I think that's an important distinction here with Goldman Sachs versus essential workers because Goldman Sachs, they aren't uh, providing healthcare services, for example. They're doing finance. Right. But but at the same time, banks, like the definition of essential workers were so broad yeah. that even if, like, for example, you somehow supported an industry that was also essential, um, which I think, you know, uh, Goldman Sachs is a bank itself. It's an investment. It does a lot of different things as financial services. But yeah. um, I, I think there was definitely a population within Goldman Sachs who were clearly essential workers, but probably quite a bit number that weren't. Right. But again, like it was so broad that you were able to, if you wanted to work, whether an employer wanted to make you work or an employee wanted to work, you could figure out a way to become an essential employee. Yeah. And keep in mind, too, this is about the time when everything, there's so much crazy stuff going on. So people are are trying to figure things out. Yeah, precisely. So, okay. So in April of 2020, um, that's when David Solomon announced that his, you know, basically he almost alludes to this new norm of uh, these virtual meetings. And it's interesting because I don't, that kind of tone slowly changes. Yeah. Because I think in the beginning he was pretty relatively um, amendable to kind of bringing their workforce home, focusing on patient, uh, not patient, on employee safety and things like that. In fact, I think we have a little quick video on it. Uh, the Goldman I know is still the same Goldman, I believe. It was only 900 people and I was there and knew almost everybody's name, but the commitment to the employees was always extraordinary. Can you take a pledge that you won't lay, lay anybody off in the next three months? I've been very, very clear to our people that during this crisis, people's jobs are safe. We're incredibly focused, Jim, on our on our employees and our community. We're trying to find ways to add support that we're giving. We made an announcement earlier this week that we're increasing the amount of emergency home leave 
to two weeks that people can take. People have parents or family members, they need emergency home leave, so we've increased that. You know, I've been personally focused on the fact there are all sorts of people in our Goldman community that, that might need support. We have people that are security guards that work for us, that work in the cafeteria and food service, that work in cleaning. These aren't people that are Goldman employees, but they're part of the Goldman family and community. And we're working with the vendors uh, and the unions to make sure that if because of what's going on, their incomes have been affected, we're making up the difference. So we, we care deeply about our employees and we're very, very focused on their safety, their security and their well-being during this crisis. <laughs> that, that last part's very interesting to see because you, the tone completely changes. I mean, even within the year. I within the year. Yeah. But there you go. So Goldman Sachs sends them home, right? Because, well, frankly, it's mandated, but also I think the workers demanded it. Yeah. Um, there was just so much uncertainty and right. so forth. And then he, he, you saw him. Even he was mentioning how it's not just Goldman Sachs employees that is required to operate the company. It's every, all the support staff, every, right. everything surrounding it, everything from the janitorial staff of the building to, you know, providing food and the supplies and so forth. And so it it was a it was a very uh, reasonable response. Everybody kind of was on the same page with this. There may have been some minority kind of grumblings of having to send employees home, but for the most part, people did it. Yeah, and again, this is the infancy phases when, you know, obviously no vaccine at this point or anything close to that. And there was even, if you recall, there was even issues of being able to get masks, like order masks. Right. Or other, you know. Any kind of protective equipment. Yeah. yeah. And, and there was this whole concept. Everyone's wearing bandanas and yeah. whether that's effective or not, you know. And then the conversation, you know, and then, of course, the conversation whether masks are, are uh, you know, <laughs> even do anything in the first place. All these discussions are going on. So it's, it's of course, we're going to look back and it's easy for us to kind of uh, retroactively look at this. But at the time, it's just continuous chaos. And we'll, we'll, we'll see how this goes. But in the very, very beginning, very simple legal issues come up, but applied to kind of a complex situation. Like, so, for example, OK, well, what is what is the problem of keeping your employees in the workforce um, during this COVID pandemic, right? Obviously, if there's a mandate that, mm -hmm. you know, that's different. But like I said, like, uh, I, we have found that a lot of employers were, if you, they wanted to, they can consider themselves, look, you guys are essential workers. You have to come to work. Right. And if you don't, then you're fired. And that happened, yeah. right? That's definitely happened. And employers were concerned, well, what about liability? What if an employee comes in and they get sick because of COVID mm. from something that contracted from the office. Now, of course, being able to prove that's a whole thing. Sure. sure. But luckily, it's the same thing of there was some remedy for that in the sense that if any employee gets uh, not sick, but gets hurt or injured in the workforce, mm -hmm. there's a remedy for it. Right. And so workers' compensation, everyone is familiar with that, that provided some kind of relief in theory. And so if, from a technical perspective, if someone went to the workplace, got sick from something that they got in the office, in theory, workers' comp could apply. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not sure we actually saw some practical applications to that. Because, again, like being able to prove, prove all that. It was yeah, kind of, that's obviously, yeah, it's kind of difficult. Yeah. But that, but that's what, that was the discussions we were having at the time, you know. And this was before any kind of protections of sick leave and that came out, you know, months later. Yeah, I think that, that in addition to um, 
basically the other question we would get all the time is, can I like when can I bring my employees back in, or can I require them to come back in? Right. And so these were the hot, the big legal topics at this time. Yeah, because I know again, just to speak personally, like um, we we went home for at least in Texas for like two weeks. And like, I, I, in fact, I, but I remember very early, you know, probably around the same time, like, look, if you want to work from home, you can work from home. Yeah. And then no one did. And then things started to get a little, I don't know, quote unquote scary. You know, you start uh, hearing more on the news, but also you start hearing people getting it Yeah. and then, okay, you know, let's just go home. Yeah. And people just kind of went home for two weeks. Right. And then it was still optional, but then everyone started coming back. And then for, for us, I think it was only like, I don't know, maybe two months later that I'm like, okay, now you, you have to come back. Yeah. You know? But yeah. And like we were saying earlier, it's, it was definitely different in Texas and it still is yeah. compared to California. And I mean, particularly like Bay area, for example, they had big shutdown, you know, they had required city shutdowns. Right. So it makes things a little bit different from a... And, and they still haven't recovered from it, right? I mean, yeah. it's a, you still have empty real estate, both in Manhattan and in, yeah. in the Bay Area and in Houston. You know, it's like these, there is some obvious permanent change that still hasn't kind of adjusted. Yeah, we even talk about the commercial real estate side of right. things. So, okay. So, um, so in September of 2020, can I think about this? So, you they go into lockdown around March, okay, and April. Then in September 2020, this is before even vaccines are out. This is before this like vaccines are still in the kind of beginning stages. But there, if you recall, there's a lull in the number of cases. Right, it starts to slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so the CEO he announces this return to return to the office plan, where it's kind of this on this rotational schedule, and. And I, by the way, I think that's, you know, it's before that where, again, here in Texas, we were already coming back to work. But I think this was more controversial when you're telling Goldman Sachs employees to come back to the city and to start working, you know. And so it obviously made national news. And from that, and again, I think it was relatively progressive uh, of, a, of an announcement at that time. Yeah. And, and like we were just mentioning the big question, one of the big questions at the time is, if I'm an employee and I don't want to come back because I am scared or what, you know, whatever reason, right? What's you know, do I have to come back? And so, for the most part, yes, unless there's some sort of religious exception or you know, no religious discrimination, yeah, or if there's some sort of disability issue, right? But yeah. Other than those two exceptions, if the employer wants to force you back, you have to come back. And, and, and right. And let, again, I'm, there's some other kind of small exceptions that are, yeah. probably don't apply. Like, for example, if you have some kind of uh, contractual agreement to work from home or something like that. Sure. Right. But um, and then what gets touchy and this is still applicable today is um, so not, not only in September 2020, but also uh, in 2022 is if someone if you're requesting someone to come back to work and they say, well, um, I have a certain health condition that mm-hmm. may prohibit me yeah. from doing so, and therefore it's maybe considered a disability. Then you and and, and then you might have to enter into this what's called a, this uh, interactive process, right? And and we've seen this come across. Um, we've 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 experienced with this employees. And what's difficult from an employee's perspective is that the 
whether or not if a certain health condition that you are susceptible of based upon um, COVID, being able to kind of not prove that, but establish that as an actual disability is becoming a little bit more and more um, difficult because mm-hmm. as information comes, comes along, like there's a lot of things that, you know, uh, uh, employers can point to that okay, just because you are in X condition doesn't mean that you're disabled. And even if you, even if you are susceptible, have a certain health condition that, you know, you want to definitely not be exposed to COVID, there's a dozen different ways that we can accommodate you. Yeah. So, you know, we can provide you PPE, you can get vaccinated, you can, we can have you separated from the, the, you know, having your own office and these kinds of things. Um, that may or may not be acceptable as far as being, quote, a reasonable accommodation. Yeah, and then recall at the time, too, the big thing was, you know, the pe- when people are coming back into the office, just social distancing, like you said, all the PPE, sort of, you know, a little whole laundry list of things. I forgot things. about social distancing. Yeah. That's a big thing. Yeah. Six feet, yeah. So I, I, I still remember, like, for the longest time in our bathrooms were um, how to wash your hands properly. And it was like there for two years, and and but the but these things came up like in very early in 2020, like February March, when it was like, it's just it's just I was just I was thinking about it. it's such a funny, funny sign in retrospect. But, um, all right, so that was in September. Um, then we hit 2021. Okay, and this is where the CEO definitely starts to his rhetoric starts to heat up a little bit, not heat up, I should say. Uh, he's planting the seed. He's planting the seed, right? He basically says, look, we are not in a new normal, okay? This work for, from home thing, it's, it's, a, it's a temporary thing. And, and also, like at that time, you know, now we're talking about this, vaccines are being rolled out. Um, it is supposed to be and hoping to be what's going to basically stop this thing. Yeah. And we know now that's not exactly the case, but it did... We're in a, we're definitely in a different COVID situation than we were sure. a year ago or two years ago, right, and right. the hospitalization is just incredibly down compared to what it was, and that probably has a lot to do with vaccines and so many other things, you know, variants and, mm-hmm. and so forth. So, um, so he's planting that seed for sure. Yeah. So that was in February 2021. Yeah. And then in May, uh, a couple few months later, he puts out the statement saying that employees need to make plans to return to office by June 14th. So what are we four months from when he kind of planted that seed? Right. Now, Hey, now you have to come back. Well, and, and that's not, that's not a bad notice time because it's funny because we actually did a, we did a, like a, a, a social media skit where uh, a employer was asking for their employees to come back. Not, not, four months from now or whatever, but the next day. Right? <laughs> and, and, and if you think about it, like, you know, if you send your employees home and especially after we're talking about a year or more that they're working from home, it's likely that look, people have moved away. People have gone to different places, different States even. Yeah. And so, uh, asking them to come back to the office, it's like, Hey boss, like I'm not even in New York anymore. Yeah, I'm in Florida on the beach right now, you know, and that, that conversation, it's like, I have to move back. Uh, maybe they won't. Well, yeah. So one thing we haven't mentioned yet is from the legal side of things is employers should have uh, put in place like working from home plans. Right. Um, or basically a policy of what you can do, what you can't do. So that kind of addresses what you were saying. I mean, you could still 
require them to be, you know, basically not to move, I suppose. Well, not a certain state. Yeah. Um, so that's another, another consideration employers had to deal with and still, well, still have to deal with too. Still have to, because yeah. it gets, I'll tell you, like, it gets really complicated from a legal perspective when you have employees now, let's say you're a New York based company, all your company, all your employees are there. You institute work from home and then half of your workforce is now outside the state of New York. Yeah. Right. So now look, all your employment policies mm-hmm. from your your pay policies, everything is geared towards New York. And now all of a sudden you have to think about other states, right? Yeah. You have to think of different state labor laws. Um, you know, like sick pay. I mean, everyone knows like, look, I mean, frankly, I, we had, we had clients that their employees would move to California and all of a sudden it's like, dude, it's, it's completely not, now you are at a completely different scenario than yeah. you were, um, you know, six months ago. Yeah. Um, but the next thing that happened was, I think this was in, when did they start requiring all employees to be fully vaccinated? That was in? Looks uh, like the beginning of September of 2021. Okay. Yeah. So again, not, this was, um, so the, the, they were asking people to make plans, but then let's see here. Uh, they, they, they start asking people to uh, come back, uh, come back to work, but also to be fully vaccinated. Goldman Sachs employees expected to return to the office in Lower Manhattan by June 14th. In a memo to the staff, the CEO says the firm will be one of the first major banks on Wall Street to bring back a large number of workers. It's another big milestone as New York City works to reopen safely. Okay, so that so that video was about bringing it back to June 14th, but or bringing them back June 14th. But also they're saying like, look, if if uh, if they aren't fully vaccinated, then you must work from home. Yeah. Right. And so this is all of a sudden the 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 vaccine mandate question. And uh, it's interesting because in the beginning of 2020, um, we were talking about mandated testing, whether employers can test. Mm-hmm. Right. And I I think, you know, our firm was very early to say, like, look, this is this is very doable. You can do this. There's there's some precedent for it. Um, but it wasn't until the EEOC and other government regulation regula- regula- regulators, you know, made clear that we could do this that other employers started to do it. Then there was a question about vaccine mandates. Okay, yeah. so we're talking about nine months into the vaccine, can an employer mandate their employees to have a vaccine? And of course, again, our our I think our firm was pretty um, uh, pretty aggressive in saying that the, that you could. There were some risks to it, depending on the state. But like, for example, in Texas, look, they passed laws eventually that you can't do that, right? Yeah. But that was, you know, post. I mean, by that time, anyone who wanted to do a vaccine mandate had implemented it. Yeah. Anyone that didn't, did not. Yeah. And that's what's interesting, interesting here. He's so, um, so aggressive about getting the employees back in the office. But uh, the vaccine, the vaccination status of the employees, too, factors in. So, right. Um, but yeah, I did. I think he also had a policy that, they still had to wear masks and um, when they're in common areas and things like that. So these there still were some protections in place, but it's on the front. He's still getting all the employees back, so he's still kind of leading that charge. Yeah, and and that's that always that was pretty common. Any kind of work uh, return to work was coupled with you're coming back to work, but here are new COVID policies. You have to do this. You have to do that. Um, whether it's proof of vaccination or just PPE and th- these kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, what I what I think it was 
still difficult for still today for employees for employers is that when they bring back their workforce, especially if they have a substantial size workforce, it may be necessary to bring back certain departments and not others, mm-hmm. right? So even Goldman Sachs, for example, a lot of their technology uh, type employees, whether it's IT or otherwise, um, they were they were not required in the beginning to to come back. Um, and so the question becomes, okay, if you're going to have certain classes of people that are coming back and not coming back, by creating those classes, are you discriminate, discriminating against certain individuals? Mm-hmm. Um, and on top of that, uh, not only are you, could you be discriminating against certain classes, but if certain individuals ask for an exception, it's like, hey, you know, I can't find um, uh, uh, a babysitter for my kids, you know, mm. for whatever reason, because of short staffing or whatever. Do you mind if I work from home? Okay, you can work from home. Someone else asked for the same exception. And if you say no, what's the difference between the two? And now are you discriminating based upon some kind of protected class? Yep. Right? Yeah. That's... It's, it's, we, not only have we seen that, but also you can understand how it's very easy for an employer to just fall into yeah. right, that trap. Yeah, that's, it's definitely a legal theory. And, you know, employment attorneys are aggressive on the plaintiff's side. So right. it's something they pushed. So kind of we're going along this little art up and down here. So beginning of 2022. This was, Om, was it Omicron or was this Delta? I think Omicron, right? I can't repeat. Yeah. Delta was the one prior. But yeah, good. Sorry. Um, yeah, the company encouraged all employees to work from home. So basically January 2nd, they encouraged all employees to work from home until January 18th due to, you know, like, so this is one of the spikes, yeah. uh, the, the variants. So, yeah. uh, you know, a couple week period, but now they're back at home when he brought everyone back into the office. Yeah, I, I thought that was actually odd for Goldman Sachs to do because it's actually inconsistent with how most employers handled it for those that were back at work. Like, in other words, yeah, there was a surge. Okay, be a little more careful out there, but you mm-hmm. know, look, if you get a vaccine, you'll be fine, right? And that was the for the most part. But so for Goldman Sachs to actually send people home for a couple of weeks, I thought that was actually again relatively progressive. In other words, like there there may be some criticism of Goldman Sachs to bring back people early, but they were also very early to bring them home, and they were and and also early to push them back home uh, during the during the search. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's one thing you could say about them for sure. Is they definitely were on the progressive side. Like they, they were again leading the charge on all right. this stuff. So actually, I think we have a video on that. Let's take a quick look. So new this morning, Goldman Sachs is joining a list of Wall Street firms telling workers to stay home due to the surge in COVID cases. The investment bank sent a memo Sunday asking employees who can work remotely to do so until the 18th of January. Goldman Sachs says its offices will remain open with safety protocols in place. Last week, J.P. Morgan Chase gave employees the option to work from home for the first two weeks of January. Citigroup also told workers who can do their jobs remotely to stay home. Yeah, it looks like there was a few uh, other investment banks and banks that... Uh that sent their people home as well. So then on February 1st, um, they set a date set to... That February 1st was a date they set to return to the office. Oh, okay. That's after the... Okay. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So they they set to return, but then it wasn't until August 30th of that year, so just not too long ago, where... They've pretty much moved on. Let's hear it. Well, in the meantime, the return to office getting real for Goldman Sachs employees. The New York Post 
reporting that the bank is dropping all COVID protocols and requiring employees to be back in the office five days a week after Labor Day. Now, the Post obtaining a memo from the bank, which said that it will no longer require vaccines, COVID testing, or masking. But for those who work in the bank's New York City headquarters, they will still have to abide by the city's vaccine mandate to enter the building or have an exception. Dave, we talk about this return to office mm -hmm. so often here. After Labor Day, five days a week, might be a little tough to swallow for some of those employees. Although I would make the argument, it's been a long time coming there. Yeah, I mean, and look, we're two years later, yeah. right? Um, and and it wasn't that long after where just the rhetoric around bringing back people to work, other employers have really, really softened um, the requirements um, as far as mass requirements, vaccine mandates, um, I mean, even on a federal level, right, we're still technically under a public health emergency. And especially, you know, if you're in healthcare, uh, on the legal side, we pay attention to this quite a bit because all these rules came into place when the public health emergency was declared, and all these rules are set to go away once it, it expires, and it gets renewed every three months or so. And right now, it's, it's supposed to be uh, expire in the beginning of next year. And even though they say this every time, they expect not to renew it, um, but they have to give a 60-day notice. And I wouldn't be surprised if we hit another surge, you know, towards the holidays and so forth. So whether that changes anything and you know, extends it for another 60 days. But Goldman Sachs and many other employers, not only are they bringing them back, no vaccine requirements, no mask requirements, no testing requirements. So now they're at, so we're, so this was a few months ago, but now in October, they're at 65% kind of, that seems like 65% to where they were. I know uh, I should say 65% are in the office. The rest are still working from home. Right. Which that, I mean, that's termed as a majority, but that seems low to me, right? Well, I believe it was 65% or back in, but previously pre-pandemic, they only had 75% that were in the office. Oh, okay. That's yeah. so, okay. So they're pretty close to. So okay, that's not 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 too bad. And I'm sure there was. I, I'm sure there's some change that it's acceptable. It's like well, um, because it, interesting enough, I saw a clip of uh, Goldman Sachs CEO prior to um, it was still in 2020, but he was saying how we were already in a spot where we're transitioning to tele telecommuting. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that 10% gap may represent the uh, a permanent change, you know, certain departments that don't need to be in the office. And it, it could be like we talked about earlier, it could have been people that moved and right. know, there's no physical office for them to go in. Right. So that's probably a decent amount of those, 10, that 10%. So for me, it's, a, it, it's one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this is I, employers, there's plenty of clients and employers in general that are still reluctant to bring their employees back, not because they don't want to, but because the they feel like the employees may push back or they may have legal repercussions from it. Um, but I do think that if for employers that want to make that decision, um, it's getting easier, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I think even though there's this kind of, there's this thought to say that, um, look, you can get over, get done with the same things that you wanted to do before over a Zoom meeting or a phone call over emails. But I'll tell you, like, it's completely different. I mean, this is stating the obvious, but some of the things I always kind of mention is that 
when you have a meeting, especially in a conference room with among different people versus a Zoom meeting, what you don't have in person, um, or what you don't have in a Zoom meeting, what you have in person is like those little small two yeah. to five minute coffee breaks or bathroom breaks where you just kind of banter about different things. And how many times do does business get done or decisions get made on those interactions, not yeah. the formal interactions, you know? And and you just can't you can't replicate that. No, I mean, and another thing too, people in person, you can't just stop by someone else's office and ask them a question. <laughs> yeah, you have to call if they're you know if they're available or they can email. ignore you. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's like it's true. It's like uh, it's just completely different, but. Uh, Especially if you're trying to build a team atmosphere. But at the same time, like, look, I mean, there's plenty of teams that don't don't do that and are working and functioning quite well. And we've talked about how, I mean, you and I were just talking about yesterday how, you know, different cultures in the workplace have, are, are different. You know, it's like you have in Europe and Asia, it's it's not uncommon for workers to literally sleep at the office. Right. Yeah. But if you saw someone sleeping in an office in, in the U.S., in most offices, they'd be like, you know, why are you slacking off? You yeah. know, not, hey, I'm taking a 20-minute power nap so I can be more efficient, right? It's the same thing. Like, there's this, there's there's different things that work for different workplaces. But from a, at least from a legal perspective, I feel like employers should be feel a lot more comfortable in bringing their employees back than I think they did a year ago. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that's why that's you've seen that happen as well. So it's, right. it's definitely been a lot more prevalent when you see that. And I, even at, like at my office, for example, I've basically been in pretty much the whole time, absent a couple months back in 2020. But now I, you can even start to see the parking lot fill up. Yeah. And so that's, that's how you know people are coming in. Well, our, well, I think I would say the same thing, but our parking garage has been uh, <laughs> under construction because it had some issues. So we've always had a little, little parking gear, but nonetheless, yeah, it's always been uh, pretty busy here. So, well, okay, that, I think that's our episode. I mean, that's that's the story of Goldman Sachs from a work-from-home perspective. Um, I thought, again, they're a good kind of oh, yeah, quite, temperature gauge. Quite the story arc. So a lot of right. ups and downs. And, you know, ultimately, what do you, I mean, what do you think? Did he, do you think uh, he made the right calls for the most part? Or what's... I, I found, actually, I, I mean, after doing this story, I found it interesting because he, he, it, he he was still even though he was still reacting to the current kind of climate, he was still willing to make adjustments. Yeah. And uh, and even though it was clear, like from his perspective, and I don't know if it's true, he, working from home was not a good solution for his company. Yeah. Right. And so he had to figure out a way to bring them back um, in a way that was still acceptable and palatable. And look, he he. 65%, he pretty much did it. Yeah, he, he, at the end of the day, he accomplished, you know, pretty much accomplished what he, what he wanted to do, set right. out and do. So. Right. And I wonder if that, that two-week, you know, hiatus in the beginning of this year kind of actually helped that because it showed that he was being kind of reasonable. Yeah, you know. I, think that's, that's a, I think that's a fair assessment. Right. Well, very good. Well, thank you for coming into Houston just for this podcast episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm going I'm to leave. I'll see you later. Have a good day. All right. Thank you, guys. Keep it sound. Keep it smart. You just listened to Legally Sound Smart Business with Asar Pasha and Matt Staub. For more information about the podcast, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com. This podcast is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening to or engaging with the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice but rather is produced for entertainment and educational purposes only. Do not rely on the information on this podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney.
The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and does not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. This podcast may contain portrayals of clients by non-clients, reenactment of scenes and persons which are not actual or authentic, and depictions which are a dramatization.